This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Otis Barnett and Calvary Church in Inverness, Florida. For more information, please visit InvernessCalvary.com. Well, we're continuing in our series uh, named A Culture of Honor. And we, we, we began last week by, um, by really diving into the fact that heaven is filled with a culture of honor. That the Father is honoring the Son right now. He sits him down at the right hand of the Father. He gives him the place of honor in heaven. The Son, Jesus, right now is magnifying the Father. He is glorifying the Father right now. And there is the Father and the Son are, are actually glorifying saints there. And people are receiving rewards right now. And in that atmosphere, the Scripture even tells us that there are those who receive, work, receive honor and then take that honor, take those crowns, and they cast them back at the feet of Jesus. And I want you to understand today, heaven is a culture of honor. Honor. And we're going to try to recapture some of the lost attributes of honor that are expressed in the Bible. And, and because heaven has a culture of honor, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we begin to understand what the culture of the church should be. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 says, In this manner, therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It is the will of God for the culture of heaven to be on earth. And I am convinced that the church is to be a reflection of heaven. The church is to be a reflection of heaven. That means there's healing in heaven. There ought to be healing in the church. Uh, heaven is, is the full expression of salvation purchased through Jesus. And in the church, there ought to be people giving their lives to Christ. Today, we will celebrate with several baptism uh, uh, candidates as they pass uh, into the baptism waters and they, they make a bold, open declaration that I am going in one way and I'm coming out another the new life of Christ. And so we're, we're, we're going to celebrate the, the new life. And listen, the church ought to be a reflection of heaven. So we have to recapture this culture of honor. Well, there's four areas that every believer is called to walk in honor. And we're going to just review these quickly. And that is this. We're called to honor government, family, Civil leaders, that's like coaches and teachers and other people who are leaders in our community outside of government, and then church. Now, there are also three directions of honor, and those who are above us in authority, and so we honor those who are leading us. Then we also uh, reach out to our peers, and we honor our peers, and then we also honor those who God has entrusted to us. Jesus calls those little ones. And so uh, not only are there certain areas that honor is directed in, but it is directional in nature that it is both for those who are above us and those who are below us and those who are called to run alongside of us. And so today uh, we're going to talk about honoring 
government. And you're like, oh, wow. Pastor Otis, you're going there. You're actually going to speak on honoring government right now. You would dare with the headlines. Well, you know, um, you know, it, it's real. The greatest debate in America isn't one that you see on uh, on television. It's actually this one. Dunkin' Donuts says America runs on Dunkin'. And however, there are the, there are a few people that believe it runs from another place uh, with some kind of queen or something as their symbol. And they're actually not allowed in Citrus County. I hear. I don't know. I don't know. But they're not here. Or they don't want to come. I don't know. So it's either Dunkin' or Starbucks. You're probably on either side of the fence. Or maybe you're third party. You're like, I like those. I like my coffee to brew over 24 hours and drip slowly. So I get, yeah. Nobody's listening to you. <laughs> Duncan. So. Awesome. Awesome. Well, today, we're going to talk about honoring government. And we're going to learn some principles. Um, I believe that we are called uh, to do as believers because of what the Bible says in Isaiah 9. You know, the scripture says of Jesus that the government will be placed upon his shoulders and of his government there will be no end. And what if in this political season it's practice? Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. It says, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and of his government there shall be no end. So we will one day, as citizens of heaven, submit ourselves to the glorious government of Jesus forever and ever and ever. But I wonder if God doesn't allow us test runs, times of training times of learning. And remember, heaven is a culture of honor. So what does the scripture say about honoring government? We're going to look today into the scriptures in two places. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2 and also Romans chapter 13, I have a couple of different other scriptures. But if you want to Write down 1 Peter chapter 2 and also Romans chapter 13. We're going to be going there together. If you don't have your Bible with you, that's fine. We'll have the scriptures for you on the screen. In 1 Peter chapter 2, it says this. It says, Therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors, as to those who are sent By him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. Verse 17, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, Honor the king. Now, I would say this. um, These scriptures challenge us as Americans. They challenge us 
Because what if the government doesn't reflect our beliefs? Or what if the government doesn't even reflect the precepts laid forth in God's word? And they challenge us as believers. But I would say to you that the, the principle laid forth here isn't talking to us about right or wrong policies but right and wrong behavior as it pertains to believers. Did you know that you could be right and still be wrong? But we want to be right before God. Now, so from 1 Peter chapter 2, we're going to look and see and find some reasons that we are to honor government. First reason, and this is a very simple, very basic reason, it's scriptural. It's scriptural. And now, I, I, here's, here's what I want everybody to understand. If you're not a believer here, we believe that the God's word is the final authority in the earth. We believe it is infallible. We believe that it has one central theme from beginning to end, redemption. That man was originally connected to God, fell away, and God, in his mercy, sent his son who through grace, through faith, rescues us from our sin. He purchases us, purchases us back by paying the price for our sins, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The scriptures lay forth the principles of kingdom living. Not only how to get in the kingdom, but how to behave after you're in the kingdom. Now, what we have to understand is the Bible serves as the great text, the great mandate, the word of God through which we view the entire world, through which we make all decisions. So it's scriptural. Look at verse 13. It says, therefore, submit to yourself of every ordinance of man. Uh, another way uh, that that is translated or Human institution ordained by God. Human institution ordained by God. It says, whether uh, for the Lord's sake, he says, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king is supreme or to governors or as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers. Um, and for the praise of those who do good. Look at verse 17. It says, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. Remember this, for believers, the scriptures are the lens through which we must view the world. Remember, we honor God by letting his word carry weight in our lives. Now this is this is imperative that you understand because oftentimes in the church there will be policies enacted in the public square of which of which we stand uh, uh, totally opposed to. And yet the scripture comes and says to us honor. And so what do we do as believers? We trust in the authority of scripture that there is something about honor that will unlock to us realms that we would not have access to if we did not honor. And I, I want you to understand today that I am not saying that this is easy. 
Because I believe with all of my heart that both a political spirit and a religious spirit are at work in wild ways in the church. And both seek to divide. Both seek to divide. Political spirit says divide the church along party lines. Divide the church. And believe me, there will be plenty of division. Uh, I don't know why anybody in this hour thinks that Facebook is a, is, a, is, is, is a great political platform. It is not. Take pictures of your puppy. Post your dinner pictures. There's nothing serious about Facebook. I've been in youth ministry a long time. And see, the problem is, is youth kind of get it now. They're like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to take a picture and post it. Adults were like, Facebook, I can get my message out. I now have a worldwide ministry. <laughs> Unfollow. <laughs> we can be friends, but we're not following you. Um, that's how Facebook works, by the way. I want you to understand the scripture is the lens through which we must view this world. Remember, we honor God by letting his word carry weight in our life. Now listen to this. 1 John 5, 2 says, by this we know that we, we love the children of God. When we love God and keep his commandments, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments, listen to this, are not burdensome for whatever is born of God overcomes the world and this is the victory that overcomes the world our faith believers today we need to understand this principle what God commands he makes possible if God says to honor those in government authority despite whatever your political persuasion whether you are on the right or left or somewhere in the middle you can still walk in honor because whatever God commands he empowers us to do and I would say for us in the church, it is imperative that we learn to walk in honor. What God commands, God makes possible. And it is possible, listen, to honor positions and people that you completely disagree with. By the way, there's an entire book of the Bible based on it. It's called the book of Daniel. Daniel was overtaken by Nebuchadnezzar. And he was plucked out because he was wise. And what most people don't realize is most of the wise men who came into the king's court suffered a horrendous energy to their, let me say it this way, maleness. They became eunuchs at the hands of their captors. But you never find that bitterness in the pages of the book of Daniel. Why? Because he honored a pagan king. And it's my personal belief that the book of Daniel is a roadmap to how you and I are to operate in this pagan world right now. Now, 
I have some other things to say about us here in American responsibility. And by the way, in case you have all those questions that are stirring up in your heart, it is possible to honor positions and people that you completely disagree with, which is exactly what, what Daniel did. So we honor government authority. Why? Because it's scripture. Second, authority comes from God. Authority comes from God. Romans 13 says, let every soul be subject to governing authorities, for there's no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror uh, uh, to, to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Then do what is good, and you will have the praise from the same, for he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject not only because of wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes. Ooh, that one, that one, that one hits home. For they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Verse 7, very key. Render therefore to all their due. Taxes to whom taxes are due. Custom to whom customs. Fear to whom fear. And listen, honor to whom honor. This says that authority comes from God. Jesus actually reaffirmed this idea in his fake trial, by the way. If there's ever been a person who experienced a sham trial, it's our Lord and Savior. And we find in John chapter 19 that he's actually having a discussion with Pilate. And it says this, it says, therefore, when Pilate heard that saying, uh, he was more afraid and went again into the praetorium and said to Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then Pilate said to him, are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have the power or the authority to crucify you or the authority or power to release you? And Jesus answered, you could have no power at all against me or over me unless it had been given to you from above. Pilate was a pagan, an unbeliever, outside of God's kingdom. And this is what Jesus said to him. It says, therefore, the one who delivered me to you has greater sin, which he's talking about the Sanhedrin. There is an authority that comes from God. But really, the, the real question is, is all authority godly? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Matter of fact, in this time that Romans chapter 13 was written, the Apostle Paul was experience, experiencing the full rage of Nero. Nero's rise to power, I'm telling you, tabloids would be flying off the shelf if they existed in Nero's day. 
If you begin to understand Nero's rise to power, how he was actually the stepson of the Caesar, and now how through the political prowess of his mother, he rises to power, and there's all kinds of betrayal and murder and all kinds of sexual immorality. It was horrific, and it is in this scene where Christians are even being totally expelled from Rome, Paul pins these words. This is, this, is such a, this is such a shocker to us because we've grown up in this atmosphere of complete liberty and freedom. Or is it that we have just lost the principle of honor? See, this is really about honor. Christians in the midst of this horrific persecution were being expelled and extinguished at an alarming rate. And Proverbs chapter 29 uh, is, is absolutely true. It says, when the, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the, a wicked man rules, the people groan. And there was a groan. But the people of God thought honor and their witness to be more important than their persecution or even clinging to their life. Now this is, this is very hard for us here because we're not under persecution. But the days are coming, church. The days are coming where I believe that this world is going to suffer intense, intense, Intense persecution worldwide of believers. Right now, in China, it is very intense. In the Middle East, people are losing their heads for their faith. All over northern Africa, people are dying for their faith. This is happening right now. And I feel as if that God in this series is actually trying to prepare us about how to operate in in an in a outside-of-the-church world where there's great persecution so that we actually will continue to have a voice with people. Your witness is very important. And we're going to talk about that. So another reason why we honor, it's not only scriptural and authority comes from God, but our witness is the third reason. Our witness, we honor because our because of our witness. In both 1 Peter and Romans chapter 13, God is admonishing us to honor authority so that the light of Christ shines bright. Listen to the scriptures that come just before the instruction in 1 Peter chapter 2. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. This is the part, like if you preach that sermon, there's a lot, a, a lot of people saying, whoa, yes, come on, amen. But the verses that follow it, we grow quiet and introspective because we don't know how to process that. We're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light who once were not a people but now are the people of God, who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, as abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct 
honorable among the Gentiles, which here means unbelievers. That when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. They're saying that the overflow of honor, even under persecution, is that God will show up when we honor those who don't know him. That God shows up, and then they have to say, there is something resting on your life that is different. You are not controlled by a human spirit. A human spirit yearns jealousy. They hate. they only thinking about themselves. But you are of another spirit. And your witness should be just that. The highest priority after your personal relationship with God. Romans chapter 13 gives us, gives us the same idea. For the rulers are not uh, a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of authority? Then do what is good, and you will have the praise of the same. That sounds exactly like 1 Peter chapter 2. For he is God's minister for you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid. Listen to this statement. He does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject not only because of wrath, because of, but because of consciousness. Hey, listen, this is not just telling you be nice to them. This is saying your witness is of the utmost importance. That when people see you, do they see party or do they see your citizenship, which is in heaven? This is challenging, and I aim to challenge you today. But I am, gonna, I am going to kind of ease up on the pressure here because I believe we have a responsibility in this nation as believers. We have an absolute responsibility. Well, the call of God's people in this hour, especially in a political season, is to represent Christ well. And it is more important to keep your witness and to walk in love rather than win, to win argumentative wars over candidates and public policy. I bless you with that. It is more important to be righteous than right. Because if we win the argument... And lose the platform to share the gospel. We have lost it all. Because we are living in a vapor. And we are fighting for something that will be here for a moment. And we should protect it. And we should, we should, do, we should do everything within our power to keep this nation standing as a light to the nations. We should. But don't fight horribly with brothers and sisters for the vapor that you're, you're going to live with them for a long time. And God wants us in the church to keep our witness. This is a little bit of a course correction for us. I know, I know we've looked for it, but I have not found, found you know, first Fox News, second CNN. In our Bibles, we take our clues from the Scripture, and we take our hope from there and our faith from there. 
I, I like I, I, I like the political stuff. I love to have a good a good you know debate. I do, but I will not. I will not argue for the, for the at, at the cost of my witness with people. I will not. So how do we as believers, let's answer this question, honor the United States of America, uh, America's form of government? This is a great question. How do we as believers honor our form of government? By the way, um, I hate to break it to people, and I really, I, I really don't hate it. I actually love this. Uh, America is not a democracy. It's not. I love my kids, you know, they come home from school, and they're like, this is a democracy. It's, it is not. Especially not the house. This is not a, you don't get a vote. <laughs> Actually, America is a constitutional republic. And you should know that. Because we need to be able to honor the form of government that we have. And so you need to know what that is. And a constitutional republic, in a constitutional republic, what we do is we use democratic processes to elect representatives of the people that have to govern by a written document called the Constitution, which limits the powers of government over the people. And this is our current form of government still to this day. We are a constitutional republic. Now, I want to tell you how important it is that believers engage in a constitutional republic. It is absolutely of the highest importance that believers engage in a constitutional republic. John Adams, our second president, said this, our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to govern of any other. Our constitution is made to govern religious people, and by the way, according to, according to Webster, he's the guy who wrote the dictionary, when they refer to religion in that day, it actually meant Christianity. Now, it doesn't mean we do not apply it that way today, but that's what it means. And if you go on to look at what our founders, how our founders crafted the Constitution, made the Declaration of Independence, they believed that Christians ought to be the main influence in the formation, sustaining, and perpetuation of the nation. Listen to me. For those who, who exempt themselves from the political process, our founders are yelling from their graves, what are you doing? This thing will fall apart without you. So you need to be a part of it. You cannot be a conscientious objector. You need to engage. Jesus made a radical statement. He said this. He, he made this statement, and in this statement, it reveals something about us and our role as believers. He, said, he says this. He says, I will build my church, 
and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The word church there is, is, is an interesting, it's, it's like a, it's, it's a translation based upon a translation. The word in Greek is ekklesia. That is actually a political term. It means called out ones. It means this representative, this representative, this representative, this representative. They all come together in order to have a major influence on the region. So when he says, I will build my ecclesia, he's actually saying, I'm going to take the 11 who followed me and they're going to transform the world. Because they're called out from where they were, and I'm going to anoint them to bring change to the entire planet. Now Christianity is over 2 billion people on this planet. And basically started with Jesus and 11 guys. That 12th one, that first 12th one was not that good. (laughs) And by the way, Jesus picked him. And still reached out to him. And he was a thief. And Jesus loved him. You know what Jesus did to Judas? Honored him. Even though he was a thief. And his life would be filled with betrayal. So what are we to do as believers? Our founders believe that Christians ought to be the main influence in the formation, sustaining, and perpetuation of our nation. Well, as believers, you have to understand this. This is the first principle. We have to pray. We have to pray. We pray. That's our first, uh, first assignment. 1 Timothy 2, 1 says, Therefore I exert, uh, exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks... Uh, be made for all men, for kings and all in authority, that we may, may lead quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. I want you to see what is connected here in the Scripture. He said, the church is to pray for kings and all who are in authority so that we might live quiet and peaceable lives and then gives the ultimate reason because this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Honoring those in authority in prayer leads to salvation. It leads to an open door of awakening. Honoring those in authority with prayer leads to an open door of awakening. And you cannot separate this in the scripture. That means when we walk in honor in prayer, God says, God says, it's my will that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. He says, when we do this, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. You say, is it very important? It is. Proverbs 21.1 says this, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, and like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. When we pray, God moves. So not only do we pray as we honor the United States of America's form of government, not only do we pray as believers, but we participate. 
Notice what it says in Romans chapter 13, verse 4. It says, for he, talking about those in authority, uh, is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid. This is the really key phrase. For he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Listen, in our country, we get to choose who holds the sword Do you see this? In our country, we get to choose who holds the sword. So what am I going to say to the church? Go vote. And vote by the Bible. Vote with conviction. Participate. Why? We get to choose who holds the sword, and that is really important. But you may say, well, I don't like any of the two major candidates. Is this the best we have to offer? <laughs> no, it's not the best we have to offer, but it's what we've got. <laughs> it's what we're left with. And let me tell you what's on the line. Our constitution in this constitutional republic can be amended and interpreted. And there is a rising force more influential than the presidency. It is the Supreme Court of America. It is a rising branch of government right now because our, gov our constitution, which governs this nation, can be amended by legislators but it's being amended by the court. And there will be several vacancies. And listen, church, inactivity isn't an option. It's not an option. Why? Because it may take an entire generation to recover from what's about to happen. Unless the church rises up. It's estimated that 3 million born-again registered voters stayed home in the last voting cycle because they were disenfranchised. They say, I don't really like any candidates. Well, they're not coming over to your house. <laughs> they're not. But we're called to action in this country as we honor the form of government here which is a constitutional republic with democratic processes. And we send people that represent us who are limited in power by our constitution. Unless we put the wrong people there. We have to honor the form of government that God has put over us. Now, not only do we vote, but we need to become a voice against issues that arise which stand in clear contrast to the precepts laid forth in God's word. I'm telling you, we should weep when we think of the 55 million babies slaughtered in mother's wombs. We should weep. That in my lifetime, my lifetime, which is 44 years, it was then 
that a landmark case came across the Supreme Court and the court changed the law of the land by an interpretation. And my kids have never known an hour where abortion is not taking place on demand. Church, we have to be a voice. We have to be a voice. But not only do we have to be a voice, <laughs> we have to debate issues, not people. We're not into attacking people. That's not us. We should be involved in the public deba debate in order to demonstrate what a Christ follower is really like. Get involved in the debate and let them see your conduct so that when they try to accuse you, they can't say anything but, well, praise God for them. That's what the scripture says in 1 Peter 2 and Romans chapter 13. They try to accuse you. It just doesn't stick. Debate the issues, not the people. You say, well, what about candidates? Candidates are standing for issues. Talk about the issues and demonstrate what a Christ follower is really like. We don't need to demonstrate not just what we think. We need to demonstrate the one we belong to, even as we are honoring government. Honor is the key to unlocking arenas of influence for the kingdom. I want to finish by telling you a story. There was a, a church of about 120, and they could not grow. They were just stayed there for years and years and years. Same pastor, same everything. And uh, there was a lot of political talk in the community and everything, and a lot of division between the church and government. This pastor was praying, and the Lord said, I want you to go down to your political leaders and ask them, what is something that you had to cut from your budget that is a really a major need? And as he met with them, they said, well, it is actually uh, brand new oxygen masks for our firefighters. We had to, we had to cut it. It's $25,000 that we wanted to supply some of these new oxygen tanks and masks for our fire department, but we had to cut it, cut it because of budgets. That pastor went back to his church and said, we are done being divided from our government. It is not us and them, it is we. And we're going to begin to honor those in government. And he asked his church, and on that day, that small church, 120, took up $25,000 in an offering. And they took that offering, and the city where they were was overwhelmed. They decided to invite all of uh, people from all different political persuasions and gather them all together so that they could actually present this check. In one year's time, in one year's time, after doing something that would honor God and honor the people in authority, that church was over 1,000 people. Honor unlocked an awakening in a community. And it was connected 
saying, no, God, God, I'm not going to let a political spirit divide me from having a witness in this area of government. We have responsibilities as believers. We should walk in them. But we also have a higher responsibility to represent him well and to see his heart and his kingdom expand long, long beyond the number of days that the United States graces this planet. I believe God is going to elevate us in a culture of honor. And this one is a little bit harder to swallow. But listen, we'll learn how to honor government. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna know how to honor the one who walks in the door on a Sunday morning who is full of all kinds of oppression, who's going through all kinds of things. And you could, think to, you could think to yourself, I have everything together and they should get it together. Or you could honor them and you could honor them. Why would you honor them? You honor them because Christ honored them and paid the highest price for them. We have to have as a church a culture of honor. It does not mean that we are not a voice. I am not advocating pacifism. I am actually advocating a, a, a kingdom advancement on an epic scale. But we have to do it the right way, and it has to be a culture of honor. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like more information about the ongoing ministry of Calvary Church, please visit our website at InvernessCalvary.com.